welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. I'd like to introduce you to Justin Davis. Now, Justin has got an incredible background, highly motivated, and I know you're going to get a lot of inspiration from Justin's story. So welcome to the podcast, Justin. Hello, Mark, and thank you very much. What a kind introduction that is. No problem at all. So maybe if you could just introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, where you come from, a bit of your background. Of course, of course. My name is Justin Davis. I'm 29. I've been living in Bristol for the last couple of years Recently became a property investor over those last couple of years as well. Extremely motivated. I've done five years in the military. Since leaving the military, um, I've taken up hand cycling. And basically, I'm just a a driven and motivated individual that's looking to inspire others uh, through um, adversity, through my own own problems, my own issues that I faced after leaving the military. And um, hopefully I can just add some great value and, and inspire some, some of your listeners, Mark. So if you'd just like to, I mean, you're an incredibly humble guy, as I've, I've got to know you. That brief introduction, let's maybe delve into a, a little bit of detail. So when you came out of, out of school, college, what, what was your first uh, drivers? What did you do and how did your career unfurl from there? So school it probably wasn't the best time for me. I wasn't particularly academic. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy it that much. I was getting into trouble quite a bit. But there were a few subjects that, that looking back, really stood out for me. And those being uh, physical education, design and technology, and a little bit of history as well. And I, and I now looking back, I really realized that those are actually quite prominent in my life now. And so after leaving school, I decided to explore the practical side and I um, decided to become a bench joiner so I, I studied went to college um, got an apprenticeship with a local company and I then got qualified and probably after doing that for about five years I then decided I needed a little bit more a little bit of a change and I just had some some drive and some ambition to push myself and grow further and that's what led me to joining the army and and really wanting to explore myself and 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 just trying to, to better myself and prove to myself that I had more to offer, I suppose. Yeah. How old were you when you decided to join the army? I was 21, I think. Yes, around that sort of time. So it's quite, it quite late for, for, for some guys that joined because when I got in, there were guys that were there 18, you know, so very, very young, you know, looking back now, but at the time they didn't, they seemed similar age, but yeah. And what regiment did you join? I joined the Rifles and... For me, I think the the, the, the tie was to, to prove my, to myself I had the ability to go on and, 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 and do this kind of thing. I had to be at the, the tip of the spear in adversity commas, as they say. I just felt that this was my direction. This was a bit of a calling for me at the time. And I put the, put the blinkers on and off I went and drove towards my goal. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So how did your career go in the military? Maybe you could just outline some of the things you did. And I love, I, Yeah, of course, of course. I, um, I loved it. I love the, I love the training. I love, I love running about in the mud in the field and getting dirty. And just, and just for me, that was like the, the animal instinct inside me was, was being satisfied. And I started at 
Catterick, which is in North Yorkshire, which is the infantry training school, and um, did six months six month um, term there um, in the winter in um, in North Yorkshire is, is quite a challenging environment. So there's a lot of snow, a lot of rain, um, it's icy, and so it's a real test and a real challenge. And and once I got through the six months there, I progressed and got uh, posted to uh, Ballykinler, which is in Northern Ireland, and. We weren't on the streets by any stretch of the imagination. We were just we were just based there, eighteen months or so pre-deployment training in in battalion, and then off to Afghanistan. So you know that was the pinnacle for me. It was it was what I was after, it was what I was aiming for, and it was it was a huge thrill to to actually be realising and achieving my my goal that I'd worked so hard to to get to. So putting into effect all those skills you'd culminated. And- yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I loved it. There was some. Some great times, some bad times, but you know, on the average, it was it was really great, and it kind of made me who I am, I guess, today. I think it's 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 made me, it's rounded me, I guess, into the individual that I am before you. So, could you share with with our audience? So, what what happened to you in in Afghanistan, and how has that started to write the next chapter of your life? Of course, yeah, of course, and. Um, I suppose I was there for, I was only there for about two months and on the ground for about two months. And I was really enjoying being a soldier, not on exercise, running around with blank ammunition, um, going bang, bang, bang and pretending to die. But being in theatre in a real war zone was was something that was just something that, that, that spoke to me and it was really special for me. We were tasked as an infantry unit, as a ground-holding uh, force in an area in Nez South in Helmand. And um, the Taliban were, were in and out of the area quite a bit um, towards the early stages of the tour. There wasn't a lot of activity, but we knew that the Taliban had infiltrated the area and, and essentially laid a huge amount of IEDs. And these were very, very prominent once a few people bit got kind of hit by them. So I I unfortunately one day on a patrol I was at the front of the patrol and I I I stood on a device, it, it detonated and as a result of, of that I became a double amputee pretty much instantly in a matter of split seconds. So that was that was the initial incident. And you know if I could if I could just say that that the only reason I'm here today is because of the people on the ground that that gave me the life-saving treatment immediately um, after that incident. And I just want to say that you know I'm eternally grateful for those to those guys that, that saved me that day. And it, there's such a there's there's such a draw to those people now that I may not see them for a couple of years, but I could pick up the phone to them and speak to them like it was yesterday. And to me, you just don't get that outside of the military. And as you know, Mark, you've you've done a little bit of time yourself and. You can relate to that, and hopefully some of your the, the listeners can as well. Um, but it's just a really special time for me, and you know, now six years later after that, um, I'm just hugely grateful and, and inspired and motivated to just just go on and push push some boundaries now. And it's uh, it's hugely motivating when you train as a, a as a team and you forge those those bonds, and as you say, those bonds last last a lifetime and um and the, the the great care of our our armed services personnel i guess put you on the on the the, the start of what must have been a, a very challenging period of of recovery um, maybe even the first few days weeks were 
and maybe still are a bit of a blur, are they? The first, the, I mean, it's, I, it's just such a hard thing to explain, but it's, it, it, I mean, going from being on patrol and the, an explosion happens so quickly that you, your brain have, really doesn't have a chance to catch up with what's happened and the reality of what's happened for a good few seconds, maybe even up to 10 seconds, you don't really know what's happened. You're, you're a little bit, well, you are, incapa- I was incapacitated. Um, I was aware of what was going on, um, but all I could hear was like a gong in my ear. It was, it was just continuous ringing. I could see people's mouths moving, but I wasn't hearing what they were saying. And then I just felt an incredible sense of broken bones. And I've never broken bones before, but I, I realized what this felt like at the time. And and I just, I looked down and I was like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. So one leg was kind of hanging off and, you know, the other one was, was gone completely. And going from that patrol to then obviously jumping on the, on the helicopter or getting Kazi backed onto the helicopter um, uh, and taken back to Bastion. On that journey, you're, you're knocked out, so you're, you're, you're put to sleep. So they can obviously administer um, any fluids, any bloods, um, to make sure you get out of theatre and into Bastion, into hospital, um, alive within the golden hour. So from going from that that patrol, um, perfectly unaware that anything is about to happen, to then waking up in the UK almost 48 hours later was a bit of a shock. So from going from Afghanistan on patrol to four white walls and a ceiling and lying there and wondering what's going on, um, that was uh, quite a shocking time for me. And um, once I just kind of realised what had happened and got over the initial kind of incident and registered it in my mind and adjusted to it and worked out my injuries and the extent of them. After seven days in intensive care, I was ready to be on, on the ward upstairs in hospital. And me and another guy were, were racing around in wheelchairs probably a few days later. So causing all kinds of havoc for the hospital staff. And you know, that's just the, the, the military mindset and, and how we get through these things is just with dark humor. You know, it could always been, have been worse. And there are guys in the hospital at the same time as me with far worse injuries. So I was just happy to be able to talk, able to see, able to hear. You know, I might not be able to walk for a while, but I could, I could do everything else. And I was just, I was just eternally grateful for that. Yeah. And some challenging times, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's a part of that that's kind of forged, forged me into this, into this individual right now. And just, yeah, just eternally grateful for it. What's what's struck me since I've I've got to know you is your incredible humility. The I guess what the the military has has instilled in you that as you mentioned the the, the humour and uh, your absolute requirement not to not to want any sympathy. You know, you, you maybe you could just explain yeah. for those who haven't been in the military <clears throat> how you get your head around that. Absolutely, uh, I think. Do you know what? I honestly think that. The, and it kind of stems back to a few individuals within the company of, of soldiers that I was in. I've, so some of the sort of the, the top commanders within, within that company, I'm, I'm kind of really grateful for. Uh, they, they inspired me just to, just to be the best soldier that I could be. And you just didn't want to upset them because they had so much experience, so much more experience than me. And I was and really just a young pup compared to these guys. It done numerous tours, like probably, you know, 15, 20 years of service. And you just wanted to please them. And it just, it just really, it just really hit home to me that, that I should, I should really do my best to, to try and 
to try and please these guys and, and work as a solid team. And having seen a few of those guys seen my, since my injuries and a few years later, they've just said they, that we had the best group of, of soldiers together there that they'd seen ever. And, and that for me it just stands out. And the only way you kind of get through this is by having that team around you. And whether that team around you is calling you every name under the sun and telling you to do this and do that and hurry up and get over that, whether you've got legs or not, it's still relevant. And, you know, when I got to Headley Court, there were, there were many guys a lot worse off than me. And, but the banter was, it, it was incredibly dark. And it would be <laughs> like, I, my injuries as a double through knee amputee were seen as quite light injuries by a lot of other guys. And I saw that too, because you had guys that had got, you know, a triple amputations, they were missing eyes, fingers, you know, it was horrendous really, you know, but these guys were, were doing what I was doing, exactly the same thing, cracking on and not being held back by any stigma at all their injuries and just, and just, and just being soldiers, but, but driving through these problems and just, just hammering it. There was no chance that you're going to give up. There's just nothing there that says, I'm going to give up now. I've had enough. There's nothing there. It's always been, let's go, you know, just try and stop me. That's basically what it is. <laughs> and you've taken that attitude as you, well, maybe if we just talk about um, how you then um, went through the uh, recovery stages and, yeah. and then you, of course, left, the, left yeah. the military. Yeah. So as I kind of touched on there, um, Headley Court is a military rehabilitation centre or hospital down um, near Surrey. And, you know, it's a great location. Um, the staff there are second to none, absolutely. The treatment you get is 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 top tier. You, you cannot ask for any better treatment there. Um, if you're a motivated individual, you, are, you, you will literally fly through it. And I like to think that I got through it pretty quickly. So um, after the initial injury, I did uh, seven months in intensive, uh, seven days, sorry, in intensive care then on the ward for three weeks. And then after three weeks, I went straight to Headley Court. So within a month, I was a month or so, I was turned around, I was in Headley Court and I was just ready to, to, to do whatever I could to, to achieve my level of ability and a life that I, I had before. And you would do admissions at Headley Court of probably six weeks, three to six weeks was advised but I'd, I'd fight them to stay as long as I could, sometimes arguing with the consultant saying, I want to stay longer, I want to stay longer. And I'd constantly be in a battle with them to try and get let me to stay longer so I could just do more work and better myself and, and really push through what, what had happened. So it really kind of sparked a, a fire within me that I wasn't going to be beaten at that point. So push forward through 18 months after doing a huge amount of physio and 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 exercise and just development and just real hardships um i kind of then left headley court and i was i was ready to go out in the world again I'd, i could i could walk i'd learned to walk i'd be given prosthetic legs i'd i'd been physioed up to my eyeballs and i was just i was essentially twiddling my thumbs and i was ready to go um and i'm just grateful that i have the ability to do that and to recover so quickly and and get through it and that kind of takes me to to the here and now really and it still follows me through the, um, that, that grit, rigor, vigor, and determination just comes through in every word that, that you're saying. And you know, the, I find it massively inspiring that what the human mind and the human body can achieve in times of adversity. And could you maybe think of things that you've learned, whether they be your mind, your body, your attitude, your approach? You know, what have you learned about yourself that 
probably you hadn't appreciated before and, and what do you take out of that yeah, into of future life? Of course, I've learned that I was kind of like a like a lion in a cage when I got injured. So I was I was yeah, and, and the, the injury itself was kind of the opening of the, the door to the cage. So it'd been unlocked and just flung open. And that lion was just flying out of that door, ready to attack. And that's that's the way I saw it. It's not the way I tried to be, it's just the way I was. And I don't know where that's come from, but it was it was just you know, everyone was saying to me, God, you know, I think it got quite stressful for people around me because I just wouldn't rest. I just, there was no rest for me. And I just, I didn't want to rest, but I actually learned that that was kind of the right and the wrong approach for me because it was right at the time because I just wanted to fight and fight and fight and fight and get through. But it was wrong in the sense that I was really, it was really detrimental to myself because I was actually kind of beating myself up quite a bit. So I was, you know, physically and mentally I was really so driven that I was, it was quite detrimental at times because I kind of reached a level of burnout and not just like, um, well, I can't really be bothered to, to, to do this today, but it was a real, like a real downward spike that it was just, yeah, I, I just reached this point where I was like, wow, I've really hammered myself for two years and I reached quite a bit of a low point actually. And, you know, um, looking back, that was probably the lowest point it was two years after my, my initial injury. I guess you had a number of things coming together. You you were demobilising from active operation, your recovery, you were leaving the, the military mm. and recovering from, you know, in, incredible injuries. So there's a lot of things to contend with all yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I, and to you know what I'm looking back, I was actually I was actually lost. I was actually very lost and a lot of guys experience the same thing and it's it's a very common trend with guys leaving service that doesn't doesn't seem to matter how, how how many years you've done or what experience you've got when you are kind of thrown out of that that experience via you know maybe you've been injured um, such as myself um, you're not choosing to leave so you and it's something you love and you really really hold close to you and you've trained and worked so hard for to be flung out of that and no way back into it is really quite detrimental to some guys and they really struggle with that mm. and it's the it's the comradeship and it's just being around the bloke, someone to call you every name under the sun, an idiot, or, you know, why are you not doing that? Or just someone there to, to grip you, as we say in the military, to not have that and to be surrounded by, by guys that don't have that experience in the civilian world was actually really very difficult because you were constantly looking for that and trying to find it. And the only way you would find it was, was being around the, the blokes again, you know? So yeah, like you say, a huge amount going on all that time, being such a driven individual, but being lost kind of felt like I was punching out in lots of different directions, but not getting anywhere and really felt like I was being beaten up, to be honest. And um, that was probably the lowest time and the most challenging time. But to then look back and notice that I've got through that and, and smashed through it, you know, I didn't claim to have any PTSD symptoms or anything like that. I just felt low, just felt like I wanted to achieve and I couldn't. I was being held back a little bit by my injuries as well, recovery times for certain operations and stuff. So I just felt very, very annoyed at, at the time. And um, like you say, it was just a, a lot of stuff going on. But you don't realise that at the time. Mm, you yeah. only realise it now when you look back and you really analyse it and go, actually, yeah, that was happening, yeah. <laughs> so that, that personal resolve and that, that grit and determination that took you out of that, that one of that low points, mm. um, the low point there, where did you decide to take your life and, and what, what were the triggers and interests? Of course, uh, it's, a really, it's a really difficult question for me that, but um, I, 
it's hard to pinpoint it. I don't want to repeat myself, you know, being, you know, how driven I am, but I think it, it kind of stemmed from sports and physical activity and finding activities that I could actually compete in and actually physically do, you know, take part in. Um, it was, it, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to run for any period of time, you know, after that, after that. So, um, I had to find something else and I actually went. So in between my, my, um, admissions at Headley Court, I had to take three weeks off at a time. So I do six weeks on three weeks off, six weeks on three weeks off. And during those three weeks off, I would go to Tedworth house, which is a fantastic location. And it's a, it's a massive old, I'm not sure what era, but it's a huge manor house. Um, might be Victorian, might be Edwardian, but, um, it's basically been taken over by Help for Heroes, a charity, um, the service charity, and they just basically in-house provide you everything that you need, you know, um, support courses, you know, you name it, you can get it. So it's classed as a recovery center rather than a rehab center like um, like um, down in Surrey, um, Headley Court. Um, so I went to, um, to Tebworth House and I just found that, I could jump on a handbike and I'd never seen a handbike before in my life. And, um, so it's much like a normal, normal bicycle, but you power it with your arms and your hands. And the guys there took me out on that. And, um, it was a big cumbersome thing, uh, much different to the one I've got today. Um, so it was a lot heavier, um, it was a lot more difficult. The gear, the gear ratios were a lot harder to use and everything about it was just difficult. But I went out on this for a ride with some guys and one of the guys there was like, do you know what? You, you look, you look pretty strong on that. You look pretty decent. And you know, maybe we found something that you can get involved in a, a sport maybe for you. And I was like, yeah, kind of, kind of like just, just took it and, and didn't do anything about it for a while, but realized that as I kind of cycled more and more, I realized I was, I was getting a release of, of any stress, any anxiety, anything at all that was, 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 were holding me down, holding me down or holding me back was being released instantly just by this, this go, being able to go out and ride and being out in the fresh air and not being cooped up and being able to really hurt myself physically out on the bike was, was great for me. It was a great release. And like giving yourself a good beasting. It, yeah, arm, exactly <laughs> that. Well, exactly that. Just absolutely thrashing myself. And it just felt wonderful to be able to do that. And I guess I've kind of picked that up a little bit more in the last sort of six months now. And, and and looking to, to progress with the hand cycling a little bit further. So so it's fair to say you're rather good at hand cycling. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I don't you know I don't like to label myself that, but a lot of quite a few people have said look you should really should really look to to take this a bit more seriously. You could you could start competing competitively, you know, a, a decent if not top level. And it's something that's kind of strikes a chord with me. And if I can tie in my ability and my drive if i can tie that into a sport and get it all working together i feel like my enjoyment for being in pain whilst on the bike can probably become quite a positive thing and we can potentially push on and, and do some racing and some competing maybe push into europe you know next year and then ultimately if we if we can if we can nail it and and, and um, stay committed then I'd, i'll be aiming for 2020 in tokyo so wow. yeah Wow, a couple of years, a couple of years to go, and maybe we can do it. So let's have a look. And from what I've grown to to know and be inspired about you, you tend your goals tend not to be small. It's no. not about how to do a, a fun ride every uh, every few days. 
you know, to conquer and challenge and compete at the highest levels in Europe and, and wow, Tokyo 2020. That's going to take a serious amount of preparation. And uh, but I have a feeling you've got the uh, you've got the plan starting to come together. How how are you approaching that? It is, you know, what it is, and I've kind of kept quiet about this for a while because I don't like to I don't like to be public about something and then not be able to go through with it and complete it. So I have been kind of preparing behind the scenes. Um, I've been working quite hard on the bike, just been getting out and just thrashing myself and and um, and most of all enjoying it at the same time there was a period where i wasn't enjoying it um, but now I've, I've really started to enjoy it there's a few things i need to put into place to kind of get the best out of myself yet but yeah i can i can see that in my mind subconsciously i'm preparing for it so i'm yeah i'm kind of feeling I'm kind of feeling good about it brilliant well i'm certainly looking forward to following your your progress there and um from a, a, a day-to-day perspective in terms of business and you mentioned earlier on that uh, you've got interests in in property what are the interests have you got in property and business can you just highlight where your life's taking you yeah i mean i suppose it's probably been the last couple of years really that i've really just been interested in 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 business in general but business growth and development and how i can kind of slot into that somewhere like i said i'm not academic in the slightest but there's just something about being able to help people grow whether that be in business or whether that be personal, it's just something that really shouts to me. And I'm really looking for to try and find a direction or I'm kind of being guided in that kind of, into that direction. And I think it's quite it's, it's subconscious, but I'm really just interested in helping people and trying to inspire people, you know, through my, my, my injuries. And I just want to, I just want to progress and do as well as I can. And if I can take people with me or, or just go with people and help them to do that, then I'm more than happy. And I guess the entrepreneurial side kind of comes from getting injured. You're, you're kind of giving a lump of compensation money. And I was watching guys in a similar position to myself kind of go out and, you know, just, just throwing the money away, essentially going out drinking and doing whatever else and just vast sums of money were disappearing in, the, in these episodes. And I kind of worked out that that wasn't the best way to go. So I, I knew that I had to invest my money. And I want to see it grow, but, you know, not for the fact that I want a huge sum of money, but the fact that I've seen what other people can do with their money and they can help other people with it. So I'd love to be able to grow some, some, some capital and just be able to, to use it to help other people, you know. I don't know which direction that's going to take me and how I'm going to get there, but something's going to come around. And, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, see, I kind of see property as a good way to generate capital to do that. You know, there's so many different facets within property itself. Um, I've got a couple of buy-to-lets myself and um, a place in Bristol and a couple of places in Bournemouth as well. And, um, you know, it just it's a good income-producing asset. And like I say, assets are going to provide me with, with some sums of capital that I can help other people achieve stuff with. That's my aim. And um, very selfless to be, to be thinking of others. And um, from the moment you... Uh, I remember when we were talking beforehand... Uh, when you were on patrol in, in Afghan, you referred to uh, how your conscience was was pleased that it was you and not somebody yeah. else as you were leading the patrol. You you always thinking of others, that team ethic mm. of, of, of military uh, ethos. Um, is still following you and driving you forward. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, um, just as you touched on that point there, it's 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 so prominent for me. But um, being at the being at the front of the patrols um, is 
it is dangerous. It is a dangerous spot. It goes without saying. But if I'd have stepped over that device and someone else behind me stepped on it, I don't think I could live with that. I honestly don't. I just wouldn't know where to put myself. And I don't think I'd be in this position I am today of being, you know, so positive and, and so mentally happy, I suppose, and, and content, I guess. So, yeah, for me, that just sends shivers down my spine. If it was someone behind me, I couldn't live with that, I don't think. What seems to have been catalytic in in your your triggering of moving from your joinery profession into the military is your love for physical education. Um, and clearly with your inspiration and, and everything you do, whether it be looking at your the technology around your prosthetic limbs, you go into the details. So have you have you thought about how you can inspire others through physical education and um, driving other people's performance? I have, yeah, I have. I've been recently studying to, be, to become a personal trainer as well. And um, it's early days, but there's a, there's a couple of guys that we're hopefully going to work to get what I'm going to work together with and we're going to open a gym. Whether that happens in the, in the near future or in a couple of years' time, uh, that's that's our, um, our sole aim as well. I guess when I came to Bristol, I was looking for an adaptive kind of coach that had some experience with with you know someone with a disability or with um, an amputation or you know however they've been injured I, I was looking for someone really that could that could support me and push me in direction and I couldn't find it I was contacting lots of gyms lots of individuals and saying look this is who I am this is what I've got I've got two prosthetic legs um you know is there any have you got any experience can you can you help me and I was getting a lot of I don't really, you know, we don't, I've never seen this before, never worked with this before. I'd love to give it a go, but I don't have the experience. So for me, that wasn't really, wasn't really what I was after, you know. So I found that through kind of trial and error and, and, and looking vastly across the city that I couldn't really find that. So I thought, well, if this is the problem in Bristol, then surely this is a problem, you know, across the board and, you know, across nationally, if not internationally, that there just aren't that many adaptive style coaches out there. And it's something that kind of rings true with me that, my love for physical activity, my love for seeing people do well and achieving their goals and and helping others as well. I think if I could tie all those things together again, um, it would it would be a perfect role for me. Creating phenomenal contribution and impact back into the society yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's helped you. Incredible. I want to take you back to maybe your thoughts of um, the education system. I got the feeling that maybe the traditional education system didn't didn't flick all your your switches and what maybe more intrigued as to how the learning of, of life over the over the last few years and and observations on what might help our younger entrepreneurs who are thinking about that life of choices when they come to adulthood you know what uh, what lessons would you would you observe and relate those to the education system it, now that is a very difficult question but um for me like i said i was i was not academic i wasn't didn't enjoy school I was you know I was in trouble quite a bit to be honest um and I'm not entirely sure of the reasoning behind that I'm not you know I don't know why that was um but I just didn't enjoy the environment it's not from an authoritative point of view because going into the military is extremely authoritative so yeah just something that didn't flick a switch for me but I guess I can say that I've I've learned that going to or through the 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 desired route of of um school and then to university um so, so sometimes it doesn't work out for everyone and um you know I've, I've got many friends that that didn't go to uni i've got many friends that did go to uni and your your life is going to take you on a journey 
and it's going to go in a direction that 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 you desire it to, or maybe not, is the case as the case may be. But the education system for me, it didn't really play any part in in my journey so far. If I'm honest, you know, it's all been post school, post you know college. It's kind of been the military for me that has that has that has pushed me in this direction, and and essentially the injury that I received is has pushed me. So yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one for me. That yeah, well, well, many people who are who are listening, I'm sure can can resonate. They, we all have issues in our life. We all have adversity. Um, it might be mental health. It might be physical health. It could be divorce. You know, it could be many uh, many issues. But I think you're an incredible testament to, you know, if the mindset is there. And the determination there, and and longer term goals seem to have been a, a part, uh, a key part. It would be interesting if you look back whether your target would be to be in Tokyo in twenty twenty if you'd not gone through some adversity. Yeah, I you know I have I was only speaking to a friend the couple of days ago, and I was saying I have no idea where I'd be if I didn't get injured that day. You know, I honestly don't. I haven't I have no. You know, I was trying to look back and think, you know, where, what would I have done? Would I have still been in the military? Would I have got out of the military? Would I be so, you know, business minded? Would I be so growth and development, you know, minded? And I don't know if I, I don't know if I would be. And I'm trying to trace it back to where my drive and my ambitious nature has come from. And I just can't find it within my immediate family. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's um, the mindset for me is, it's been an incredible tool. I know I've, had the ability to push through adversity but i think education post injury was also important so you know constantly listening to podcasts constantly looking at other individuals that you that you see in a top level position if you want to be like them then have a look at what they're doing and, and try and mimic that long-term goals are essential i have no idea if i would have pushed towards a paralympic dream you know, or an Olympic dream. Um, I, I have no idea. Well, I really don't. <laughs> yeah. I think it just resonates the importance of that long-term goal. There'll be noise along the way, sometimes a high degree of noise, sometimes low degree, yeah. but keep that North Star. Very much so, very much so. And you're right, you're right. There is, you can have the destination in, in front of you and if you really want it, you're going to get it no matter what. So it's really a case of asking yourself, you know, do I really want this? Can I commit to this? What are the timescales? How do I get to that long-term goal? Do I break it down into this period of time, this period of time? You know, what happens if this happens? How do I counteract that? So there's, you know, all these things have been going through my head for the last couple of years on with regards to my, my own recovery and also, you know, pushing towards those, you know, those other goals of, of potentially Tokyo and, and succeeding at that level, you know, for me, it's about breaking it down into those small month by month, you know, quarterly periods and, and hitting your targets and making sure you do and then pushing and building on top of that and continuing your growth. Yeah. And, and during that period of time, uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to your reference to the NCOs and officers who you looked up to had vast experience. Mm-hmm. So maybe not using the word mentoring at that time, but have mentors been quite inspirational to you over the years? And I think I think yes, they have, and and I'm not sure whether that's been one-to-one mentorship, you know, sitting across the other side of the table from someone being directly mentored, 
or mentored from afar, you know, like watching people do what they do and whether that's on the internet, whether it's on, you know, on TV, on, you know, documentaries, however, whichever kind of avenue you go down to, to absorb that information, it's all there. And I found that, yes, it, you know, it doesn't have to be someone sat right next to you to be a mentor. You can tap into this, you know, now we have the internet, you can tap into this anywhere you are in the world, just whip out your phone and you can see inspiring stuff going on all around the world at the touch of a button. And it's incredible, yeah. you know? And I do, I think they've, I think they've had a real influence on me. Um, it's hard to pinpoint them, but I just, you know, I kind of dip in and out of stuff and things I find inspiring, I, I work on and I grow towards and I just want to develop more and further. I was, um, I was looking at your, your profile on, um, on Facebook, if you don't mind me saying, and uh, you really do like to push the boundaries, <laughs> don't you? Right after what you've been through, uh, including leaping out of perfectly good aeroplanes. Yeah, I know. And we had the conversation the first time we met, actually, didn't we, Mark, about, um, about doing some skydiving, some free fall. And um, I'm not sure what drove me towards it. I have no idea. Probably saw something on the internet. I thought, that looks cool. I'm going to give that a go. The internet seems to be a driving like catalyst for me <laughs> at the minute, you know. So got me into the army, watching videos on that. And now it's like, yeah, pushed me into skydiving and, and jumping. And the first couple of years, I really got into it. And uh, I was going probably three times a week. You know, it was, it was kind of my life for a couple of years. Um, really enjoyed it. But then I realized it was kind of sapping all my money away from me. And it was just, I was just spending vast amounts of cash on jumping. And it was all, all very well and good and enjoying the experience. But I needed to invest that cash. So my, something subconsciously was saying, you need to just chill out on the jumping for a bit and, you know, invest your money, grow your wealth, and then you maybe go back to it. But yeah, I love it. I do love it. And whether you've got legs or not, you can still jump out of a plane. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So could you maybe think of uh, one piece of advice that you could give the, the younger listeners to, to, to the Inspiring a Young Entrepreneur podcast that might help them reflect on maybe some of the challenges they're going through in their, their, their young lives uh, and how that could sow the seeds for, for future prosperity for them? Of course, yeah. I mean, for me, it, it honestly, it is your mindset is, is everything, 100%. It's everything. It's been everything for me. It's been my focal point um, where I can punch out from and, and really achieve the stuff that I need to. So don't get me wrong. Um, my mind is just like any other human mind. It has positive thoughts and negative thoughts. You've just got to learn how to kind of corral them and just, and just keep them inside a pen. Notice them, acknowledge your negative thoughts, but put them to one side. Don't dismiss them because they're there. They're going to be there acknowledge them, but then learn to push through them and just keep driving forwards. That's what I've done. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Develop your mindset is what I could say as well. You know, just keep developing it. And it, nobody knows everything. It's as simple as that. And if you can, if you can follow people, if you can find people that are doing better than you, um, just, just learn from any experience that you can. Yeah. Just great. All the personal development in the world. <laughs> Keep going. Well, as, as you've learned a vast amount from other people, I, I'm sure many people in the future are going to learn a, an awful lot uh, and particularly inspiration from, from your story, your attitude and, and that, that grit and determination. So if people do want to find out more and, and reach out to you, how would they best get in contact with you? I'm obviously on Facebook as well as Justin Davis. Uh, probably I'd say Instagram is a good way to get in touch with me. So um, as inspire 49 you can have a look at me on there see the stuff i get up to 
if you want to get in touch with me, please do. I'd love to be able to help you. Great. Well, you've been massively inspirational. Absolutely loved every minute of this podcast. Justin, thank you very much for your service to, to humanity, to the country, and uh, and for sparing the time to, to come and talk with us on this podcast. Well, you're too kind, but um, thank you so much. It has been an honour today to come and speak. Um, it's my first podcast, um, and I'm just yeah, I'm just really grateful to give to have the opportunity. So thank you very much. Well, I'm sure it won't be the last. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.